Hello everyone, I'm Archana Kumar from the Finance and Development magazine. The current financial crisis has brought the issue of growth back into sharp focus. To gain some insights into this issue, I will be talking to two experts today, Michael Spence, a Nobel Prize winning economist, and Mahmoud Mohaeldin, Minister of Investment of the Arab Republic of Egypt. Both Mike and Minister Mohaeldin recently served on the Commission on Growth and Development. The commission comprised a group of policymakers and academics that came together for 2 years to explore the causes, consequences and internal dynamics of sustained high growth. The commission's findings have been published in the Growth Report: Strategies for Sustained Growth and Inclusive Development. Welcome gentlemen. Let me start by picking a quote from the report which I would like to ask both of you to explain to me. And the quote is Sustainable high growth is catch-up growth and the global economy is the essential resource. Could you expand on that? Mike, maybe you'd like to go first? Uh we call it catch-up growth because the global economy's contribution to growth that we thought was essential after looking at the dynamics of the um successful high growth cases and and others I might say is is um is really two. One one I think is pretty well understood from trade theory and modern growth theory which is the global markets are big and you can grow pretty fast without sort of expanding your market share much and having the terms of trade. I don't think that's much of a contribution. But the other part that's emphasized uh by Paul Romer and other distinguished leaders in the area of growth theory is that what this is really about is learning is knowledge transfer it's expanding your potential output based on what the economy both the private and public sector sides come to have expertise in doing and and that's that is the catchphrase no pun intended for that has come to be called catch up growth and what we we really meant to say and i think we believe it is it's that more than anything else that enables countries to grow uh at rates in the 7 to 10% range and nobody else can do that. Uh you can't do it in isolation and you can't do it as an advanced country with no counter examples because basically you have to invent all the uh technology that moves the production possibility frontier out whereas developing economies at least for a period of time can import it. Uh no, it's a little too simple. They have to import it and adapt it. uh so it takes a considerable amount of ingenuity innovation and what not to do the adaptation and we may have underemphasized that part a little bit to try to make the point as clearly as possible Dr. Mohadeen um well if if I may add and based on the 13 countries that made it in the list of top successful uh, cases uh, since the second world war I think it's very much what's coming between them is basically how they manage to use their integration with the world in a very successful way through the vehicles of uh, of knowledge obtaining it uh, either directly by sending people to get educated abroad or uh, getting um, uh, those people to educate them through training programs or even uh, through foreign direct uh, investment and the kind of knowledge that's transferred through management skills and uh, and the way uh, the the business is being conducted but the other thing is is related to uh, this whole issue of knowledge behind the growth uh, stories i'm a, a generation which is not a very old one to be educated 
to uh, learn and believe on the three sources and the three pillars um, of any kind of economic activity that we have to have some uh, some land, some labor, and some capital. And you add them together with that excellent entrepreneur and you will be seeing the marvelous of economic activity. Now, and I, I think it's very much the case today that it has been very, uh, very well replaced. And one of the many genius people that the report and uh, the commissioners and uh, Professor Spence uh, dependent on is Professor Romer. And there was a very interesting uh, book about the way that he uh, conducted his research and developed some of uh, his ideas. Talk about endogenous growth, but about the three new aspects of development. It's not really uh, labor, land, and capital anymore. It is actually uh, ideas. And here the issues related to uh, learning and innovation and the transfer of these ideas into useful uh, matters to the humanity. Second, it's not labor. It's the people. It's not just those who are in the workplace, but those who could be in the workplace and those who are communicating uh, with them. And um, to be safe, they added other things. So it's basically ideas, people, and other things. There could be anything else. could be capital. It could be uh, additional resources. So it's very much relevant today with the good uh, stories of success that we have followed. Uh, countries like uh, Singapore, uh, Malaysia, uh, China recently, uh, India and Vietnam as potential joiners in the second wave. I think it's basically very much the, those three uh, new ideas related to economic activities rather than the traditional one. And the way that we can benefit uh, from them is basically through further integration with the rest of, uh, of the world. So globalization is going to be having its relevance. I know that I'm saying that in a very difficult time to talk about the merits of globalization, but when the uh, dust of the uh, crisis is going to settle, people are going to be rethinking the uh, positive aspects of globalization and integration in the markets. If you had to pick one and only one key policy ingredient that you think is critical for achieving sustained high growth, and this is notwithstanding your caveat about individual country conditions and circumstances, which one would each of you pick? Minister Mohaldin, let's start with you. I would go for the um, aspects emphasized on the investments of uh, inhuman capital. This doesn't really uh, undermine the other aspects or what we can uh, pick as a list of six things that have been very much common between the 13 countries and uh, the common sense approach in doing um, or making uh, growth uh, uh, stories uh, sustainable. But uh, the issue of investment in human capital, education, health, and uh, the provision of public goods is uh, very much um, a crucial issue. And it's very much neglected as well, because whatever you are doing of efforts is not going to be reflected in outcomes and uh, fruits today or tomorrow. It's going to be taking a generation or uh, half of a time lived by a generation in order to say the returns of good investments in human capital if you are taking uh, the files of education very seriously or uh, the health or even the investments in infrastructure in a wider sense in order to support the human capital development. Thank you. Mike? I'm very tempted by that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> high levels of investment uh, 
and long time horizons uh, and a, a serious consideration for future generations, as seems to me, deserves to be at least up near the top of the list. But I would probably pick openness and the global economy. I, I think it's the other it's the other potential candidate. If I got up tomorrow morning, I'd probably agree with Minister Mohadeen. <laughs> <laughs> Those are very interesting insights, gentlemen. Thank you very much for sharing your thoughts with me today.